Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome along to this week's writer's routine where we take a sneak peek inside the working day of some of the most successful authors around. This week, we're chatting to Owen Nichols. His debut novel, Love Unscripted, is out right now. It's a rom-com that taps into the deep, kind of obsessed love of pop culture that so many of us share. He refers to it as high fidelity about films, so it gives you an idea of the journey the story's going to take. Now, he's written as a journalist for film magazines for ages, so we'll talk about how he transferred that style of writing into working on novels. Also, we'll hear about the difference between writing for novels and screenplays, and how sometimes he has to listen to that voice inside his head and start thinking about the reader again. I can see it in my head. I just kind of even with my novels it's kind of quite a filmic visualization process so i can see it and sometimes i need to stop and go wait a second the the reader doesn't know where we are and maybe you can give them a bit more description of who they're seeing it goes back to the voice that just comes out of nowhere it just tells me what the next word is so that's all on the way with this week's writer's routine and it's owen nichols Yes, welcome along to this week's Writer's Routine, where we have a look at how creative people get stuff done and plan their day. My name's Dan Simpson. Thank you so much for finding us and giving us a listen. Before we get cracking with the episode, I want to massively thank you for all the reaction to our last episode with the writer of Everybody's Talking About Jamie, the West End musical, Tom McRae. I've had such an outpouring of some amazing reactions to that. Uh, He really kind of found it didn't he 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 got the whole thing he tapped into exactly what we need to know from a writer about how they get stuff done how, how, how they work and he's just finished rapping actually i saw online the other day that he had finished um making the movie of everybody's talking about jamie he's flown back to la now oh look how the other half live i'm so jealous uh, so tom if you're listening thank you so much for coming over here i cannot wait to see the uh, the jamie movie uh, and i'd really appreciate you sharing some words about uh, how you work through your day with us. We got so much incredible advice from that one. He he just got it, didn't he? And Owen does too. This week's guest, Owen Nichols, he completely gets it. I think it's because he's studied art forms, particularly films, for so long. He's really good at breaking down the process. We talk about his debut, Love Unscripted, 
how he finally wrote the novel, what he learned about it from journalism, and how much pop culture affected it and made him think about the way to write a relatable lead character. And when you are so obsessed with films, when you're such a cinephile, how that plays into the way you structure your scenes when you're writing a novel. Now, there is quite a lot of... There there is a little bit of, I should say, rambling film chat. Normally... I'll be honest, I would cut quite a lot of it out in the edit. I just think it's quite necessary to keep some of it in, in this one, because Owen's story is so centred around films as a way of showing emotion. So I've kept it in. I hope you find some of our thoughts kind of worthwhile. Uh, We dive into it, as always, with Owen Nichols, starting with what he sees around him in the place where he sits down to write. I see a corkboard. I see a <laughs> a very weird picture of Lord Byron that my friend <laughs> bought me as a wedding present. I think he literally was like on the way to the wedding and he was just kind of, I've got no connection to Lord Byron. Um, but I did do a bit of research after he gave me the present and that was an interesting guy. Somebody should make a film about him. Um, so there's a corkboard with kind of the plot for the next novel kind of vaguely mapped out. I've got some pictures of... I would say so. There's a band and a picture of a comedy duo. Who's the band? Who's the duo? So the band is Frightened Rabbit. Okay. And the comedy duo, um, the main, well, not the main woman, but the reason why the comedy duo up there is Charlie Clive. She was in Pure. Did you see that at the Channel 4 show? I did not. But I have this thing now where I really like to have in my head, like, and on the board in front of me what that person looks like so i'm writing with these kind of people front and center Uh, talk to me about the rest of the room if you can so you've got the cork board directly in front of you where is the room is it in your house have you got an annex have you got a shed what color are the walls apart from lord byron is there anything (laughs) else to capture the imagination (laughs) so i wish i had a shed i've been talking about a shed for a very long time but no i live in a two-bed house and because i've got two kids they have their room we have our room and then the office has to be the bedroom as well. So I've got this massive desk, which is far too big for the room, right in the corner um, next to the window. So I can see oh, that's quite nice. Um, and then on the desk is the laptop, loads of books kind of spilled around. And then, yeah, the cork board in front of that. You're in the bedroom? In the bedroom, yeah. Yeah. And then my wife, I almost said partner, but we got married two months ago, so I've got got to get that right wife uh she sits in the other corner because she's a graphic designer and she works from home as well so our bedroom is a multi-person office now uh you got married two months ago yep working with your wife in the same room every day yep Uh, without wanting to you know uh hoist tension upon (laughs) you how is that going well we met at work so we met in a cinema um we didn't get together it was kind of a few years later but after that we also worked together when we lived in toronto and we also worked together at the previous job i was working for a challenger bank as a copywriter and we worked literally next to each other there as well so we do very well together actually surprisingly a lot of people are kind of like i would kill my partner if i saw them that much but um we're not there yet. <laughs> you mentioned earlier on, if I were to look at your corkboard, I would see plotting for your next novel. What form does that plotting take? Is Would it be clear to 
me, a randomer, a stranger that just walks into your room, or is it just scattergun post-it notes that are really just useful for you? It's it's very shorthand, so yeah, I don't think it'd make a whole lot of sense to any kind of person just walking in. Um, but also, I'd be like, why have you walked into my bedroom? This is weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's very I came much for work. I yeah. think this is where everyone works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, the Norfolk hub. Um, so yeah, we've got all the basically kind of the main outline so that i know kind of at what stage i'm at so right at the moment i'm halfway through but i like to know exactly where i'm going to end up so all that's kind of up on the board um, and then i can kind of like tick it off as i go but i'm quite almost mathematical with my plotting i'm like right the first first book was i think 45 chapters and i think i've decided some arbitrary number i'm going to have 50 and i'll kind of plot it out that way and then this one is set over five years so it's kind of like 10 chapters is one year and it's kind of is broken down that kind of strictly but it seems to work without getting too niche i i get asked by listeners to this quite a lot about specific software that you're using uh, i know uh, yeah. is it is it are you just word are you pages what's going on how are you writing so this shocks people as well. I write on a Chromebook. It cost me £90 from John Lewis in the sale. Um, it doesn't have Word in a kind of like you can save stuff. So I basically write everything on the cloud, which people are like just baffled by. But in previous lives, I've had laptops and I've lost so much work. But now it's like it's always there. I still email it to myself just every now and again just to make sure it's kind of somewhere else as well but um yeah i find it just works it's like the cheapest way of writing a novel but yeah i don't have to buy software i don't have to do updates i I find that makes perfect sense like i I understand why people might be shocked Mm -hmm. but I mean, if you, if you think they probably know everything anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. the cloud knows everything anyway, yeah, really. Yeah. So at least it's existing not on something that I could break because I'm ridiculously clumsy. Yeah, exactly. Um, now the show is called Writer's Routine. Owen, talk me through yours. The moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed on a day when you are sitting down to write, how does it look? Talk me through the whole thing. Okay, so I have two young children, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So that's how I get woken up every day. <laughs> Uh, usually at 6.30, they have one of these like grow clocks where the, you can kind of set it so that it's blue at night and then basically the sun comes up on the clock. So we tell them, don't come through until the sun comes up. And they're very good at that. So they come through at 6.30 every day. Um, then it'll be downstairs, breakfast all together. The eldest is in school, so he'll kind of get ready for school. If the youngest is in nursery that day, I'll get ready and then so it's really very much like an office job as in nine o'clock I will be at my desk it that varies a little bit because I like to run so one of the best ways to start the day for me I think is just to go for a five or ten k run and usually I'll kind of come back with like a head full of ideas that I can kind of splurge onto the page um so once the kind of initial scribbling of what I'm going to do that day is down on paper. It will be a case of typing up. So I'll, I used to write a lot freehand, but now I'll go straight to just typing away. Um, I can usually do a good sprint in the 
morning from about 10 till about 12. Really like to have lunch kind of dead on 12. Um, usually we'll have a full hour as well. And uh, it's kind of, that can kind of creep to an hour and a half some days. It's like, oh, I don't really want to go back up there, but I will. And then I, I tried to actually like write down hour by hour what I would do like day by day. Um, but that never really worked because I, I like to work on kind of multiple projects at once. So while the second novel is kind of the main bulk of my work, I'm also working on a couple of features and a couple of TV shows. So I need to kind of make sure I've got days. So a lot of the time, morning can be novel and then afternoon can be screenplays. And you're writing till about five o'clock? Yeah, usually. Um, so me and my wife kind of share the pickup. So sometimes I'll pick up the boys about half three. So that can be a short day. But I kind of, we've kind of, that's not so bad some days. Other days it's kind of like, oh God, the day's like disappeared so quickly. Like you think, because when you have very young children, they're around all the time and you've got no free time. And then they go to school and you're like, oh, that's that's like six hours every day that I've just got back out of nowhere. Um, but those six hours can absolutely disappear. But sometimes that's kind of okay. <laughs> if I am just like, oh, I've got an idea for something, but I don't know what it is yet. That can just be me sat in a chair, freehand kind of, well, this might work. And this is a bit like this show, so... How does this show do it? That kind of thing. With a novel, it's not quite as prescriptive, I suppose. So it'll be a lot more, it'll just flow and flow. But with a screenplay, it's very particular. Kind of, you, one of the best tips that you get for writing a screenplay is get into a scene and out of a scene as quickly as possible. So y you need to know exactly what you want that scene to do. Whereas with a novel, I can kind of really kind of enjoy kind of being in that scene for as long as I want, and then I can edit it down. But I always try with the screenplay to be as precise as I can. You mentioned editing it down then and, and taking your time with a novel. One of the tips that we often hear most on the show is the importance of just getting your dirty draft down, just getting those words on the page. How are you with that technique? Are you... Are you just splurging any stream of consciousness that you can or are you trying to make sure that each word is the best that it can be so you don't have to work too hard later? I'm a bit more kind of splurge, <laughs> but I don't write like some days it can just be a couple of thousand words. That'll be the most I can do. So it's it's not so much kind of write down anything, but it's also not like nickety it's somewhere in the middle it's kind of it's not everything has to be perfect now and i'm not one of these kind of like the next day i've written a chapter and i'll go back to that chapter and kind of like i'll go crazy trying to make it perfect it'll just be like right that is what it is and kind of let's move on to the next one and you've also said how thorough and mathematical a planner and a plotter that you are if i were to look at a scene plan for your next chapter one of the 50 what form does it take what would it look like what would I see on the page how do you know what you're going to be writing day to day I guess is the question well with this current novel um, it's alternating between the two characters so I've mapped out exactly where their journeys are 
and it's kind of a case of sort of getting into that headspace of whichever character and it's quite a lot of fun because some days I'll be like I don't really want to write Tom I want to write Jess or I don't really want to write Jess I want to write Tom um and that's kind of wonderful to kind of make sure that you're not stuck for too long um and I can also jump from Sam on chapter 26 at the moment I've had a nice idea for the ending so I'll I'll happily go and write a bit of that and then jump back to the other bit if if that bit's not quite working as well so I'd, I'm not sure how this would work with another metaphor that we always get on on the show, which is about a story and you're plotting uh, as a roadmap, you know, and, and, and you know where you're starting, you know where you're ending, maybe. And it's a, how much of your journey are you aware of or are you happy to go on this magical mystery tour when you're plotting and you're getting in the car about to set off? What do you know about the journey? Um so right at the start very very little i'll kind of i'll have my characters first that's always been the way that i've kind of written um and then that's sort of sounds a little bit wanky can i say wanky yeah i can't say wanky um but they will sort of guide me like i'll kind of i'll i'll know who they are before i know what they're going to do and the more i write the more they kind of um present themselves to me i suppose also just lastly on the day uh, you spoke about running the joys of running early on in the morning and you find that you come back you know brimming with ideas do they come completely out of nowhere while you're on your 5 10k or do you kind of have some problems that you know need to be ironed out whilst you're on this run when it's kind of flowing like it is at the moment i know what the next chapter is going to be so i'll kind of say i'll be right i know that he's at an interview or um she's kind of about to meet a friend that she hasn't seen in a while and because that's my starting point that can just kind of percolate and go but i'm sure you've you and your listeners will have come across the um elizabeth gilbert ted talk where she talks about um, genius and just the idea that of muses and kind of where ideas come from. And she has this wonderful story about uh, Tom Waits in his car. He's driving along and all of a sudden a song comes to him and he's kind of like, um, can't you see that I'm, I'm, I'm driving now? I, I, can't, I can't go bother Tom Petty or somebody. I just can't be dealing with this right now. Um, and... That is exactly how I kind of feel when ideas come. It's like it's just a voice or something that kind of I don't know where it comes from. I can't capture it. It just comes. So it might come out on a run. It might come literally while I'm in the middle of a flow. But yeah, I, I no idea where that comes from, and I don't know. How do you try and make it come more readily and more frequently? Uh, have you any? methods and techniques that you use i don't think you can i think it's well I, I i don't think i can i think i'm just kind of i'm lucky when it happens and when it doesn't you sort of some days i just have to walk away and just go right i'm going to go do something else because it's just not happening today um say so luck, luckily it comes more often than not but i think you can certainly put yourself in that mindset and sometimes there is something to be said for just sitting in that chair like sitting 
sit for, even if it's two hours you don't write a word you're sat in that chair but at the same time you shouldn't kind of berate yourself too much if that voice isn't talking to you because you can't make it talk i don't th- i don't think i've not heard any tips yet the f- first time i sat down to write, write it it was going to be a screenplay and this was probably about 2011 um and it was so different from what it is now um it was it was kind of about a fantasist almost like a billy liar kind of like he i knew it wanted i wanted to write about a guy who's obsessed with movies and the pitch has always kind of been high fidelity but with film i think originally it was kind of billy liar but with film um and it had all these like fantasy sequences where he'd be at work and like zombies had burst in and you'd never kind of quite know what was reality and what wasn't um and that screenplay never really got off the ground it it it, it always felt too high budget it always felt a really tough pitch and in the film industry it's so hard to get anything made especially if you're a first timer that you don't want to be going around trying to sell something uniquely personal <laughs> it's kind of, that's a bad idea um but in novels you kind of I, I think you can kind of be a lot more um kind of not open and honest because you, you should be doing that in screenplays as well but you're kind of given a bit more freedom to kind of express yourself with a lot more room um so it just sort of it just seemed to this story just seemed to fit the novel um much better than the script how did you at all begin to tackle that what was the very first thing that you did after you had this idea you think right it can't be a screenplay i'm gonna have to get it down in 350 odd pages where did you start what what was the first thing that you began to do um so there was a, a small idea with the original screenplay that I was I was going to show the breakdown of a relationship in one room so you'd literally see a, a, a couple meeting um in a bedroom at a house party and then the next week you'd see them sort of on a first date and then the next week you'd see them starting their relationship and you see it all from this one perspective almost like a a bird's eye view of this room where everything was going down and when i had that idea i thought that could play throughout the novel so it could literally be every other chapter could be this first night and in the end i totally did away with the just one room because that would be so boring um and kind of set them on this odyssey instead um and then it was a case of what's the other half of the story and that was going to be the breakdown of the relate or actually after the breakdown of the relationship the guy trying to figure out where it all went wrong and then the two kind of sat so nicely next to each other at this first night where kind of young love and all this hope and possibility could kind of be born and then kind of the reality of life and relationships and how they can be quite tricky and the two things next to each other and especially with nick's character and how he wants everything to be perfect and he wants this kind of movie love um it just sort of worked perfectly as kind of juxtaposed against each other you said earlier on character is the most important part for you your starting point for you to tell a story how do you get to know them then characters 
you know, have to be the most believable, the most tangible and authentic part of any novel. How do you make sure yours are relatable, especially in a, in a love story like yours? How did you make sure those were grounded and three-dimensional? Well, with the first novel, um, with Love Unscripted, it's it's not biographical, <laughs> but there was definitely some massive crossovers <clears throat> with my life. So I did used to work as a projectionist. Um, I do have similar anxieties that Nick has in kind of um, sort of wanting things to kind of be a certain way and kind of struggling when they're not. Um, so there's a lot within my own life that I could kind of work from. But it was also, there's a, there, there is a type when it comes to kind of romantics and I think pop culture obsessed. And that's a lot of my friends and a lot of the people that I kind of used to work with and come across now where I think there's a sensibility in people who are kind of obsessed with music and movies and tv where they're quite they are quite sensitive and i'm not sure how much it kind of is because we're kind of given these stories that have beginning middles and ends and they're quite neat and we kind of want our lives to reflect that or it's just kind of actually these things that we watch inform who we are because a lot of the time they have morals so there's a kind of within I don't know what kind of subculture you'd call it but kind of pop culture aficionados there is a type of person and so I could glean from all of the people I know and from myself the characteristics that would be recognizable that people would be like I know a guy like that or I am like that and hopefully there's kind of some lessons in the books for people like that and sort of how to deal with people like that as well. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We'll have more from Owen in just a sec. Very quickly, uh, if you are enjoying the show, if you want to see us do more of these as often as you can, 
please do support us over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. We've done almost 80 of these episodes now. And if any of the authors that we've chatted to from people like Ian Rankin, Val McDermid, Tom McRae, Anthony Horowitz, Cecilia Ahern, if any of them have given you any tips and advice on how to make your stories better, please do help us out. And by the way, we've got a huge guest on the show in the next few weeks. I can't say too much because I've not actually recorded it yet. It's still in the pipeline. But I think the next time that we meet, uh, I'll have been there. I'll have done the recording so I can let you know more. Uh, it's it's a massive author. Someone that sold almost 300 million copies of his books. Uh, and he's going to come on the show. Uh, he's going to tell you all about his writer's routine and chat to us about the way he tells his stories. And if you're excited for that and maybe you want to help me out <laughs> and make me l- under less pressure than I feel right now, if you want me to perhaps buy the writer a coffee to say thanks for the time, uh, I'd love for you to do that. You can do that by getting over to patreon.com uh, forward slash writer's routine. Hey, this is Tom McRae. I'm out at the book and lyrics for Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And as someone who's written in every genre of writing that there is going, from Doctor Who to kids to musicals to thrillers and all the rest, my writing tip would be, if you want to write in a particular genre, read, watch, research everything outside that genre. So if you want to write a a, a Western, read something about the history of Rome. If you want to write a, a, a space opera, read a Western. I think the more you explore the genre outside that you want to write in, the better the ideas you then bring into that genre. Let's get back into it then, talking to Owen Nichols, this week's guest, all about his debut novel, Love Unscripted. Now, in this half, we chat about how much he really thinks about the actual words on the actual pages. Uh, Coming from someone with a screenwriting background, I'm really interested to think about everything else that, that makes up a novel which probably doesn't go into a, a script and a screenplay. Uh, we'll chat about that. Also, we talk about the pressure of a debut and figuring out what you need to do for that second book when you find yourself in a two-book deal. Uh, and we dive back into things. Uh, thinking about the characters for Love Unscripted and why for Owen it was so important to straight away get them into some trouble. Somebody once told me you've got to put as many obstacles as you can in the way of your characters. So with a, especially with a romance, it's kind of, well, I'm reading this because I want to know if they get together or I'm reading this so that I know if they stay together or not. Um, And that can be a very, very short book. (laughs) Um, So you have to find ways that kind of stop people being together. Um, And in the case of the first one, it's it's all about character. It, it's it's the things inherent within them that kind of f things up along the way. Um, so that's where I'd always kind of start: is who are the characters? We sort of know where they're going to go, but what obstacles are going to get in their way? And then you kind of need to find enough of those to not make it repetitive, but to be truthful and kind of um, recognizable. But you say that we're, we're, we're kind of figuring out where they're going to go at, towards the end. At what point was the ending made clear to you? Um, I can't remember specifically. I do remember when I, was, when I got there, I was like, yes, that's exactly how I want it to end. Um, without being given too much away, there is a kind of a, um, an openness to the ending where 
you can sort of pick your own ending in a way. Why is that? Um, I think because I don't like things being too neat in stories. So one of the, while it's got nothing to do with the film in Bruges, I love the ending of in Bruges. Okay. And there's even a line in the, in the novel about how it has the perfect ending because it's just kind of, I just remember when the credits, I remember watching it and I was like, please let the credits roll now. Please let the credits roll now. And they did. And I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. I don't, want to be i don't like an ending that's kind of so what the hell just happened but i also don't like kind of a neat little bow on it i think i think the audience should be given enough respect to kind of be able to take the story on so how much of that then was it was a conscious decision as in when the when the ending did make itself clear to you how much of it was in the natural way of this is quite open, which you'd have liked, or did you kind of have to go back to it and think, you know, this is maybe too clear cut. I need, I need to kind of make it a bit more ambiguous. No, it 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 came to me before the writing of it, so I knew where I was going to get up to. It was going to get up to a point where um, the audience could run with it. Um, so that was kind of that was quite an easy decision to make it was in fact there was no point where i kind of thought oh maybe there's an alternative ending this was like straight up the the ending that i needed we've spoken about the relatability of your characters and why they are required to be incredibly believable when you're writing a love story as well love more than anything else is the is the thing that everyone has hopefully and clings on to and and you know has ideals about how did you make sure that the actual relationship and the love in your story was as believable as possible um and authentic i think authenticity especially with love stories because rom-coms have a very bad reputation i think and an unfair reputation as well i think some of the best um movies are rom-coms tell us more Uh, i think um well I put a lot of films into the rom-com genre that other people wouldn't. So I think Wally is a rom-com. Okay. I think Fight Club is a rom-com. Um, my a rom- how is Fight Club a okay, rom-com? Okay, right. <laughs> so and it's hard to talk about because of the rules, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the instigation of everything that happens in Fight Club is Marla. He sees Marla. She spurs on everything that happens he ends the film with Marla. Everything he does in the midsection is to get to her. And it's such a, it's so funny when you see it because the first time I think, I I don't think I even thought Marla was that important, Mm. but she's the reason he invents Tyler. She's the reason that he does everything. Does that necessitate being a rom-com though? or Or is that just... That's a motivation of a character in in a. I mean, it's not a bit in a thriller kind of thing. Yeah, but I know what you're saying. But I think if the main driver of the plot is a romantic relationship, which rom- we can argue over kind of how romantic it is, and the story's funny, I kind of think that's that's a romantic comedy. Um, so yeah, the same with Wally. But I think films especially in the mid-2000s, things like the Catherine Heigl comedies, you know, 27 Dresses, things like that. 
they people were lazy about rom-coms they were just like right we just need another one to saturate the market and nowadays people are starting to kind of look for that authenticity and look for that honesty again so things like the big sick which was somebody talking about their personal something that they went through that's what people are kind of gravitating towards again and i think now we can kind of reclaim the rom-com for what it what it should be in terms of kind of plotting obviously with screenplays you're kind of often told three-act structure there's the Blake Snyder beat sheet that kind of gets forced down your throat and it's good to know all this stuff if only to break the rules it's kind of you know that you've got to introduce the characters you know that you've got to put them on a journey that takes them out of their comfort zone you know that you've got to have some kind of circular kind of storytelling where they're they finish almost in the same place but changed all of those things help massively and i think when you read the book it's it's quite clear that it's kind of got a film plot i think in like a linear kind of like even though it's all over the shop so we we flip from 2012 to 2008 then we have these intermissions as well that kind of jump back to different parts of their relationship. Um, the movement of the story, especially from a character's point of view, is we meet a guy, he's in a place, he needs to learn something, he hopefully does. And what's the aim of the story then? Like, what's the point of it? Um, that sort of... It's hard to say without giving kind of too much away. I wanted to sort of speak to people like me who kind of um, maybe are a bit obsessive over kind of pop culture and that kind of thing and kind of get them to see that there are more important things in the world than kind of what the new Star Wars trailer does to them, you know, it's kind of it's about the people close to you and kind of paying attention to kind of their needs and wants and kind of it is in many ways a kind of coming of age tale and I think in any coming of age tale you've kind of got to even though it's 27, I think our generation kind of potentially has grown up a little bit later than they should have um, well, I'm 27 and I would love to come of age. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, pick up a copy of Love Unscripted. <laughs> uh, we spoke earlier about how you're a splurger in, in some forms while writing. How much do you think about the next word? That, that I'm not sure if this is good or bad, but I'm not really a kind of word by word person. I'm more of a kind of scene by scene. So I'm something that I kind of work a little bit more on is kind of descriptions of stuff because I can see it in my head. I just kind of, even with my novels, it's kind of quite a filmic visualisation process. So I can see it and sometimes I need to kind of stop and go, wait a second, the, the reader doesn't know where we are and maybe you can give them a bit more kind of um, description of who they're seeing. Um, 
so word by word yeah it, again it's it goes back to the kind of the voice that just comes out of nowhere it just tells me what the next word is and it's kind of it's never I'm never clinical in like do these words go together sometimes I like a nice little bit of alliteration or something <laughs> and I can be probably a little over enthusiastic with wordplay but I'm never kind of I'm never so pernickety that the it's more about the feel of what's happening than it is the bit by bit if that makes sense and you're moving as we've said you're moving into writing a a, a second book what have you learned from your debut what have you learned through getting that down finally through the editing of it how how has that influenced the way you're writing the new one that's a really good question um i think i've learned mainly that it will get finished like that's that's kind of the thing with all writing is that especially when you're kind of in the first half of it or even when you're in the right in the middle section you're just like I'm never going to finish this. This is never going to be a thing. And when I wrote the first one, I I had no idea that it would kind of be on podcasts and kind of doing book signings and stuff. Literally everyone's like, on a podcast now. Yeah, yeah that, that's so true. I wouldn't actually. hold much, yeah, yeah. much store by this. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it, yeah, I'd never thought that it would kind of be in shops and be a thing that I could kind of talk about. So knowing that that's the end result if you keep at it that's kind of one of the most important things that i've learned is just do a bit every single day and you'll have something and if that thing isn't successful do it again just write another one and do it every day and if that isn't successful do it again is there you don't need to answer this but is there a third book as in are you, are you locked into a, a third one no I've, there's a two book deal um got quite a few kind of tv and film projects that i kind of want to get back to but i'm i'm there are ideas that i have for the third one definitely well about the second one so when when you when you got into the two book deal had you any idea what the second book would be no not at all actually um i had some outlines so i pitched i think four ideas very very rough ideas to my agent and my editor and they both kind of quickly came back and said, that one. So, okay. yeah, I was more than happy with their decision in the end. Uh, and w- generating those four ideas, was that through a, a state of, I need something else, I'm going to sit there and just crack through this, or was it slightly more organic? It was more kind of, what do I want to write about? It's kind of, first time round, there's, it was sort of, quite cynically, I suppose, one eye on the commercial viability of it. I think with your first thing, obviously you should be as authentic as you possibly can but you've also got to understand that nobody knows who you are so you've got to make sure that you're writing something that people want to read um with the second i suppose there's slightly more freedom in the fact that people will hopefully read the first one and they'll go in kind of knowing your style and knowing the kind of thing that you want to write about um so hopefully the next one i can be a just a little bit kind of um, I don't know a little bit looser with maybe and lastly speaking about readers knowing your style what would you like a reader to think of when when they finish Love Unscripted what, what do they want and they see that you've got a new one out 
what do you want them to think of? And Owen Nichols' book is going to be this. I hope funny. I think that's kind of one of the major kind of selling points to both the agent and the publisher was that it made them laugh. Um, there are some fairly emotional moments as well. So a lot of the kind of reviews have been, you'll be laughing one minute, but kind of crying the next. Crying the next. Yep, that's <laughs> always good to hear that you've made somebody cry. <laughs> Weird thing to say. Um, but yeah, funny, heartwarming, and that they kind of like learn something as well. I know that sounds again a bit kind of... Um, delusions of grandeur that you know what i could write would make people reassess their lives but i hope they get something that they can take away from it and it's not just a bit of fluff that they forget about but there's like a little truth that maybe they haven't acknowledged before that they go oh yeah okay And that is it for this week's Writer's Routine. Thank you so much to Owen Nichols for coming on the show, for telling us all about his debut novel, Love Unscripted. If you're a fan of pop culture movies, things like High Fidelity, all the Nick Hornby ones, I think you'll really enjoy the story. If you do want to get a copy and help out the show, uh, follow the link that's in the podcast notes for this one, because it will send you to a link that helps you buy the book And also it gives Writer's Routine a little kickback too. If you want to help the show as well, you can always do that by pledging to us over at patreon.com forward slash writer's routine and by leaving a review for the show over on Apple Podcasts. That way uh, people who need the advice from our authors can find the advice from our authors. Now next week on the show, maybe not next week actually because I'm off on my holiday. Uh, October, by the way, gets a little bit scattergun, maybe a little bit of November too. So just bear with me. I'm going to try and bring you these as often as I can, but sometimes it might not be possible to do every Friday Uh, I've got loads of interviews in the bank though so don't worry about that we are carrying on it might not just be every Friday I'll keep you across it though uh, over on Twitter so give us a follow it's at writers pod there anyway before I was derailed by admin the next time that we chat uh, we'll be speaking to the author Ruth Hogan about her brand new story The Keeper of Lost Things that's next time on Writer's Routine I'll see you then bye Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.